Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This past week, we lost two beloved members of our WWE family. Hall of Famer Terry Funk and the one and only Bray Wyatt. Tonight on Friday Night SmackDown, we will honor their legacy and celebrate their lives. The lives of two incredible men who have touched all of us with their passion, their creativity, and their spirit. Please join us for a moment of silence in our traditional 10-bell salute. in the space between the shows. I can truly say that I have the whole damn world in my hand.
The WWE family is saddened to learn of the passing of one of the most iconic figures in sports entertainment, WWE Hall of Famer, Terry Funk. I didn't want to be president. I didn't want to be anything. I knew what I wanted to be since I could walk. I wanted to wrestle. Born into a wrestling family, Terry Funk burst onto the scene with his brother Dory Funk Jr. as part of their father's homegrown promotion in Amarillo, Texas. The Funks are legends. I've always looked up to Terry Funk. I love watching him work in the ring. I love the unpredictability. Get out, get out of here! Get out of here! Unbelievable work ethic, and Terry Funk was a great, great performer. I learned a lot from Terry Funk. Terry's rugged, no-nonsense style captivated the NWA audience catapulting him to great success. Terry Funk has just achieved the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. I'm going to go ahead and prove to you people that I will be the finest champion that this world has ever seen. Terry's popularity captured the attention of Hollywood. You're a dead man. There is just one of me. Terry would continue to captivate audiences all around the globe. I middle-aged and crazy like a fox. Making an impact in WCW, ECW, and WWE, where his matches with WWE Hall of Famer Mick Foley would pioneer the hardcore style. Terry was ahead of his time in the sense that he did things that nobody ever did before. These former foes would then go on to join forces, reaching ultimate triumph at WrestleMania 14. Terry Funk, Cactus Jack! are the new tag team champions. Terry Funk is one of the nicest guys, one of the kindest guys. I feel fortunate he had a way of bringing out the best of me. In 2009, alongside his brother, Dory Funk Jr., Terry would take his rightful place in the WWE Hall of Fame. Before it was fashionable to call ourselves ECW, Terry Funk was extreme. I want to thank you so much. You make an old man feel good. Thank you. I'm going to go on record as saying, in my own personal opinion, Terry Funk's the greatest superstar of all time. A five-decade career that may never be replicated.
Terry's tireless dedication left an indelible mark on the sports entertainment world. The WWE family will remember Terry Funk as a family man, a fearless entertainer, and an unforgettable pioneer. We love you guys! We love you! following podcast has been painful. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope. I am your host, former dirt sheet writer from the Sportster, the richest, Sports Kita, and Rinkside News. I am Lee Walker. And this week in wrestling has had many ups and downs with the passing of Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt we've talked about on episode 147 and episode 148. We opened up with the tributes from WWE to both uh, superstars. There was a lot of wrestling from NWA Night 1 and 2, which we saw a new NWA 10 Pounds of Gold world champion ec3 defeating tyrus and the stipulation was if tyrus lost he'd have to retire so looks like you're only gonna see him on fox news for a little while and when it comes to aew all in predictions ladies and gentlemen i went eight and three on the night for zero hour jack perry lost to hook makes me one and oh the ROH Tag Team Championship, Aussie Open, the champions, losing to MJF and Adam Cole. I am now 2-0. We have the stadium stampede match, which was Santana Ortiz, the Blackpool Combat Club, taking on best friends Eddie Kingston and Penta L Zero. I lose this match because I said the Blackpool Combat Club, Santana Ortiz with their experience. It didn't go that way. Uh, Will Ospreay defeated Chris Jericho. I'm 3-1. The MTV Real World Championship. CM Punk retained against Samoa Joe. Makes me 4-1. The Golden Elite taking the L to Bullet Club Gold. I totally picked this wrong. I'm 4-2. AEW World Trios Championship. The acclaimed with badass Billy Gunn defeated the House of Black. Five and two. AEW Women's World Championship match. Soraya in a fatal four-way defeated Sheeta, Storm, and Dr. Britt Baker to become the new Women's World Champion. Six and two. The coffin match. Sting and Darby Allen defeating Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage. Not bad. Seven and two there for me. AEW World Tag Team Championship match. FTR retaining against the Young Bucks, and this was a surprising move, especially since Cash Wheeler is the one who got the pin. It's surprising to me after uh, Cash Wheeler uh, being arrested, but it was also surprising in the fact that I just really thought they were going to have the Young Bucks win. I'm 7-3 and three in the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. 
MJF defeating Adam Cole. That leaves me 8-3 on the night for that pay-per-view. Which, fans, this was a phenomenal show. If you did not watch it, I highly suggest you go see it. And way to go to AEW at Wembley Stadium. uh, Breaking the paid attendance for a wrestling show. It's the most paid attendance for a pro wrestling event with 81,035 people. Now, I know that there's going to be a bunch of WWE tryhards that are going to say, well, WrestleMania this, WrestleMania that. Vince McMahon has gone on record and openly admitted that those numbers include people working in the stadium who technically did not pay for a ticket. Unfortunately, the biggest takeaway isn't the new champions from AEW All-In. Unfortunately, the biggest takeaway comes with CM Punk, ladies and gentlemen. And what I mean by that is I don't know who did the match card. You know the order of the matches, but Jack Perry was on Zero Hour taking on Hook, and then the opening match to AEW All-In was the MTV Real World Championship. CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. After that, the next match was the Golden Elite taking on Bullet Club Gold, which has Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega part of that match, since they're part of uh, the Golden Club Elite there. So, you really had to know something was going to happen there. If you didn't, you're fooling yourself. So, long story short, let's get into this. So, there's multiple sides to this CM Punk, Jack Perry situation. A while back, Jack Perry on AEW Collision wanted to use real glass, and CM Punk looked at it as... He just wants a week off, you know, because it would put him on the injury, you know, type deal. And no, Jack Perry didn't, wasn't having it through a fit. Other people told Perry not to do this spot on collision. So instead, he does the spot at AWL in. Now being the match before CM Punk, CM Punk is in the back already waiting because, you know, the gorilla position is right there. Or as they refer to, I think they call it the dusty position in AEW. Regardless, um, after the match, Jack Perry walks through the back and says something like, It's real glass. Cry me a river. Which was an obvious shot at Punk, who had a confrontation. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. At AEW Collision Taping this summer with Perry's insistence on using real glass for a spot on the show. You know, we were we were told by the dirt sheets that Perry wasn't happy with how the situation was relayed publicly by those close to Punk. Now, what we have learned is 
Perry approached CM Punk backstage, stepped in his face, bumped Punk. Which is said that Punk then pushed Perry. Perry allegedly came at Punk and got put in a chokehold. Depending on who you talk to, it's a chokehold, it's a shove, it's a punch. So I need to make this clear. I was not there for this, just like nobody else was. The only people that would have been there would have been the wrestlers. Now, PWI Insider uh, reported that Jack Perry was sent home and CM Punk was still at Wembley. Now, this was done because they wanted them to both leave at separate times, so another incident didn't occur. So, prime example of different stories, if you were to, say, listen to Brian Alvarez, Brian Alvarez would have said that Punk initiated a conversation with Perry, asking if he had an issue with him. Punk then reportedly reminded Perry that he could beat his ass and subsequently led to the brief scuffle that was ultimately put to a stop. It was very quick, Alvarez said, pretty much 100% say that Punk made the comment he either shoved or pie-faced Perry grabbed him in a guillotine front headlock, and it was like immediately broken up. Samoa Joe's right there. Everybody is right there. Nobody got their ass kicked, but I will say this. They got close enough to Tony Khan that I believe monitors were knocked down onto Tony Khan so he was right there and saw everything, and a lot of people were right there, and they saw everything. So Anita ended up being jack-separated. Samoa Joe grabs him, and they get broken apart. Following the physical dispute, Alvarez uh, reported that Punk threatened to quit in heat of the moment. Punk also wanted to call off his match with Joe, which left AEW reportedly scrambling in an attempt to alter their match order. After FTR and the Young Bucks informed AEW officials they weren't ready to open all-in, the company looked towards the six-man tag between the Golden Elite, but Joe was able to convince Punk to stick to the original plan, which saw them open up AEW all-in. Now, Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful.com reported that the, the interaction between CM Punk and Miro was not a serious confrontation, but rather a joking exchange in which Punk and Miro pretended to challenge one another to a fight without any intention of actually doing so. So there's a lot going on. Uh, I would trust Sean Ross Sapp. He's the more trusted journalist, I think, in my opinion. So there's all of that going on. So CM Punk, if you guys remember this old segment, you're a heat magnet. But speaking of heat magnet in a good way, Impact Wrestling on September 9th will have their 1,000th episode. That's really, really big news. They've got some really big stuff planned, including the beautiful people have been announced for the show. Awesome Kong will be making her in-ring return after three years. Frankie Kazarian and Tracy Books will face Eddie Edwards and Alicia Edwards. Team 3D, that's right, Bully Ray and Devon return as a tag team. Their partners will be announced. It's also announced that the Feast or Fire match is returning at Impact 1000. And there is also an Ultimate X match with the participants to be determined. Now, the last Feast or Fire match was actually held 
2018. Now, in the 2018 Feast or Fired match, the participants who received briefcases were EC3, Moose, Petey Williams, and Eli Drake. In three cases, there are title shots. One person gets fired. First up, Drake opened up his briefcase to find that he was getting a tag team title shot. He didn't seem too thrilled with it. It is what it is. And his exact words were, what am I supposed to do with this? I don't even have a tag team partner. Who am I supposed to win this with? He then launched the case out of the ring and headed towards the back. Next up, Petey Williams received a X Division title shot, and he seemed pretty happy about his pick. This left EC3 and Moose to open their cases, which they opened at the same time. Moose opened his to a world championship shot, and EC3 had not moved because at that point he knew his briefcase said he was fired. So he refused to open it, but uh, that didn't stop Jeremy Borash from opening it for him to find out you're fired. So there's a neat little piece of uh, history for you there. Eli Drake is LA Knight in WWE and thriving right now. EC3 just recently defeated Tyrus for the NWA Heavyweight Championship. Petey Williams is working backstage for WWE. And Moose is still with Impact Wrestling. And as you can tell, he's the only one still with Impact Wrestling from the four winners. So make sure September 9th you check out the 1000th episode of Impact Wrestling. It will not disappoint. Now we're going to move over to WWE because I want to talk about some Botchamania stuff that happened on Monday Night Raw, uh, specifically with the match of Becky Lynch taking on Zoe Stark in a no-DQ match with Trish Stratus. If this made your head hurt, you should probably check on Zoe Stark. So fans, what I'm talking about here, if you didn't watch Raw, it was rather hilarious uh, Zoe and Becky are in the ring, and Trish Stratus starts throwing chairs into the ring. And, and she's throwing them over the top rope. Now, I don't know if you realize that she's throwing them, and she's coming really close to Zoe. As a matter of fact, when I say coming close to Zoe, that's what she said. She hits Zoe Stark in the face with a chair. Personally, I started laughing hysterically, and the first thing I said was, Botchamania is going to have a field day with that. Zoe stared right at Trish and was like, come on, seriously? Uh, she ended up with a goose egg on her head, and then later in the match, you could see her like playing towards it, like touching it and things like that, like it was affecting her. Maybe it was, maybe she got a concussion, but that belongs to Xavier Woods, who got whiplash when Drew McIntyre threw the announcer's chair at him. Yes, you heard me right. Xavier Woods is out for a week because Drew McIntyre threw the commentator's chair at him and it hit him, causing whiplash. At least it's only a week, folks. At least it's only a week. But in other news, WWE also announced that the greatest WWE Raw host ever, as he won a Slammy for it, Bob Barker passed away at 99 Going the closest without going over a dollar, folks. 
or in his case, a hundred. May he rest in peace. Now for all you figure collectors out there, you can go to creations.mattel.com slash pages slash WWE dash drop dash retro dash figure dash bundle dash two to get the next series, which is Jerry the King Lawler, The Undertaker with a Phantom Mask, Paul Bearer coming with an urn, and Vader, because it's time. It's time. It's Vader time. And ladies and gentlemen, Brian Guritz did an interview with Steve Fall from Wrestling News Co. The former WWE head writer shared his thoughts following Wyatt's passing. He recalled Wyatt's run as Husky Harrods in the new Nexus and emphasized that Bray put in the work, the effort, and the creative to reinvent himself as a new character when he had the chance to break free. I can tell from Bray's standpoint, obviously Husky Harris wasn't something that he wanted to do, but at the same time, you get called up and you get an opportunity to perform on television. You're really not in a position to say anything otherwise. So he kind of paid his dues, I guess. But you could tell that there was a lot more going on in the brain than being part of a group. Yes, you're on television, and yes, you're getting exposure. You're even working with top talent, but you don't have much opportunity to show your personality and show what you're capable of. So it was really post-Nexus 2.0, Bray coming back and him being Wyndham, putting in the work and the effort creatively to emerge as this brand new character, this hypnotic, mesmerizing character. Brian would also go as far as saying that The Rock really wanted to work with Bray Wyatt. Even when we worked together at WrestleMania 32 with The Rock, we wanted to. I know taking to Rock, it was like, this Bray Wyatt, he doesn't have a match. This is the promo we should be doing. That's basically what we discussed with each other. Rock wanted to work with him. I wanted Rock to work with him. Bray obviously would do, would be more than happy to do a segment with The Rock. But even when we put that segment together, it was like, all right, Bray, you'll say your stuff. I'll just let you do it because I'm certainly not writing anything for Bray Wyatt. Here's the outline. Whatever you say, Rock will respond to that sort of, it's not necessarily a given with a lot of performers. A lot of performers can and do write their own promos, but Bray, from the start, from the incarnation of Brady Wyatt character, it was all him putting forward the character, the aurora, the mood, the atmosphere. He just really, really remarkable. Guritz would also go on to say that The Rock wanted to put Wyatt over is a dynamic personality. He looked back on the way the fans were actively listening to everything The Rock and Wyatt had to say. The other thing I would add is that putting the promo together, the one key in that promo that we wanted to do above everything else is Rock putting Bray over. Usually there is the, there's this dynamic where the heel comes out and maybe there's a line, some lip service or whatever. Yeah, you're a great athlete, but blah, blah, blah. Typically with a heel and baby face, in this particular case, we had the spotlight on us. The world of wrestling is watching. This is a good opportunity for The Rock 
to really put over the dynamic personality, the magnetic presence, the fact that he's supposedly a heel and 101,000 people are holding up their cell phones. I always thought certainly at the time at WrestleMania 32 that Bray Wyatt character should transcend babyface slash heel. He's just an agent of chaos and you can either like him or not like him. I don't like to be I don't like that be as sometimes pigeonholed as you gotta be a heel because wrestling is a baby face and heels. I thought he was just an anomaly in a sense that he transcends and that is so much more than that. So we definitely took the opportunity for the rock and the fans to respond to, by the way. When the rock's talking about how he's got the look, he's got the charisma, he's got the magnetic power about him. And of course, you can't teach this stuff, and I couldn't teach it, but Bray and The Rock, with the presence to take that moment and take their time to acknowledge the crowd, they're popping, they're responding to it. There's not a what in the building during the time where lots of what's would happen, referring to Stone Cold Steve Austin with a what, where Bray and Rock would go back and forth. Everyone was truly listening to hear what they had to say. So yeah, that was a really great to be able to work that promo with those guys. So to Bray, Terry, and Bob, you guys will truly be missed in the WWE Universe and the professional wrestling world. May you all rest in peace, ladies and gentlemen. This is the end of the show. Make sure you tune in on YouTube at Perched on the Top Rope or YouTube.com slash at Perched on the Top Rope. You can also find our podcast anywhere and everywhere podcasts are available. From Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbay, Red Circle, you name it, we are on there. It's Perched on the Top Rope. And for those countries that keep us on their chartables, thank you. We really appreciate the fact that over 15 countries we have ranked in the top 15 to even taking the number one spot in Indonesia once. Thank you. You can find us on TikTok at Perched on the Top Rope, Instagram at Perched on the Top Rope Podcast. We are in threads at Perched on the Top Rope Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Perched on the Top Rope. You can find us on Twitter at Perched Top Rope and twitch.tv slash Perched on the Top Rope where you can find us playing AEW Fight Forever Stadium Stampede and WWE 2K23. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Perched on the Top Rope where spoiler freeze the way to be. I'm out.